G'day friends, I'm Anissa Hill and welcome to the Move to Costa Rica podcast. Here we tell the stories of people who have done just that, Move to Costa Rica. This week in episode 22, we chat to Samantha Way, a 31-year-old from Washington State. Samantha recounts the story of how she turned her passion into an income, the catalyst that drove her to master the Spanish language, as well as some practical tips for anyone who plans on living in Costa Rica. If you'd like to watch the video of this episode, go to YouTube and subscribe to the Move to Costa Rica podcast. Before we dive in, remember new episodes are released every Thursday. Head to www.movetocostaricapodcast.com. Without any further delay, here is your host, Malcolm Hill. G'day friends and welcome to the Move to Costa Rica podcast. I'm your host Malcolm Hill and I have somebody who I think is perhaps one of the most well-traveled foreigners of Costa Rica and you're going to hear about her story. So that's Samantha Way. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So the first thing that I want to mention, Sam, is you've got a really successful and really helpful blog. You've been here in Costa Rica now for eight years. In my research, I did find that out. But can you give us a quick overview of how mytanfeet.com came about? Uh, So I did move to Costa Rica in 2012. I met my husband, Jason, in 2010. Um, and he's Costa Rican. And back then I was still in college. So we did the whole long distance thing for here. So when I finally moved to Costa Rica in 2012, um, I was quite, I was only 23, but you know, like I was trying to find more information about Costa Rica that related to me, uh, someone who was not retired yet, but everything that I kept finding on the web, on, on Google, you know, was all for retirees. Um, and it was, mostly just for that age group. So when I moved to Costa Rica, um, for the first six months, uh, me and Jason, we, we like to travel. We've always traveled. That's how we would see each other, uh, over the two years. And so we would go around Costa Rica and I love taking photos and he loves, like, we just love like being on camera and taking photos. And I always love to write. And I used to have a blog growing up. So I was used to that, like, uh, like writing online and posting and things like that. So I thought, oh, like I'm going to write a blog. But it was like more of like a journal, like for fun, because that's kind of how it was back then. Everything was just like, hey, what I did today, kind of blogging. Well, back in uh, 2012, it was it was a different world on the internet, it was right? so different. Yeah, like no influencers. Like <laughs> I had just signed up for Instagram, which gave you everything in chronological order. There were no stories and like Facebook was not for advertising. It was just like, to connect with your college friends and see what classes you had together. Uh, that was what it was like back then. So um, I thought, why not start like a blog, like a website just to journal like my life here. Cause uh, a lot of my friends, like when I graduated college, they went off into like medical school or stayed in the U S or went straight to work. I was the only one that, you know, moved to another country. <laughs> so, and my family, you know, they really wanted to know what it was like. None of us had been to Costa Rica before. Um, so it just grew from there. Uh, Jason came up with the name, actually. It was after one of our days. We were in Guanacaste, one of our days off from work in Guanacaste, and we were just, like, traveling around all the, visiting a lot of beaches. Um, and he thought, hey, like, that would be a cute name for, like, a travel blog 
about like, you know, sunny tropical Costa Rica. And so we just started like that. And that's, that's pretty much how it began. And then of course it did grow into something more because, uh, you know, like it turns from just like a journal diary sort of thing to like, Hey, we can actually make some, like, like a business out of it. It's something we love to do. Um, and I think like there was a back then a huge gap on the internet for something like this. So we just thought, let's go for it. Like it was, it was a good time for us to start a new project. The website for mytanfeet.com. It's amazing. Like there's just photos of every single different part of Costa Rica you could imagine uh, from waterfalls to coastlines to volcanoes to like, um, you know, the highest altitude areas. It's insane. It's absolutely amazing. It's like the coolest (laughs) resource ever. Early life in the U.S. Tell us about that. Well, I grew up in Washington State in the capital city, Olympia. Uh, and then I went to college at UW in Seattle. And that pretty much is like my life in the U.S. because I moved when I was 23. So I graduated college when I was 22. I worked for one year in Olympia to save up money to move here. Um, and then I moved at 23 and I'm 31, almost 32 now. Uh, so it's been a long journey. And I mean, more of my tw- all my 20s are basically here. And yeah. <laughs> who I was when I was 23. I mean, for anybody, whether they move or whatever, you know, you're not the same person when you're in your early twenties versus now I'm like in my early thirties. Um, I, but I think definitely Costa has given me like a bigger push into like growing up and learning about the world and things like that. Your family's up in Washington. Who have you got up there? Mom and dad, brothers and sisters. Mom and dad and a brother and sister-in-law. So they're still in Olympia and my parents, they're originally from Taiwan. They immigrated to the U.S. And so me and my brother were born in the U.S., um, but we have gone back to Taiwan many times and we still have a lot of family there. You understand like the cultures of Taiwan, which is like totally different to the U.S., which is totally different to Costa Rica. That's, (laughs) that's, That's a huge mix of cultures. How did you meet your husband, Jason? 2010. Uh, I was studying veterinarian school. And so I decided to join one of the like volunteer abroad programs. And this one was in Central America, but that trip specifically was Nicaragua, Honduras. Um, And they had a collection of like dental, medical, veterinary, all the, the health together. And so I joined the organization as a volunteer. So we went to Nicaragua, Honduras for two weeks. And he was actually working for that organization. So that's how we had met. So uh, it was kind of a whirlwind thing. Like I met him. I was only there for two weeks. Uh, and then after the trip was over in Honduras, I went back to Costa Rica with him for like, I don't know, like four days. And then I had to go finish school for two years. <laughs> so I still had a year of college left. And so... I visit him like every break. So I went like winter break, spring break, and then in the fall, I believe. But so I would only see him once every few months because back then he uh, he didn't ha- renew his U.S. visa and he was working a lot with this organization. So he didn't have any time to go to the U.S. But I had, you know, time between breaks, between quarters. Um, and then the year that I was working, I would just visit him as much as I could because I didn't have I wasn't like confined by school but it was more just trying to save us as much money as possible and in that year 
uh, we went to, we would meet in other countries. We met in Mexico and we met in the Bahamas and Nicaragua again. (laughs) Was the plan always to move together to Costa Rica? I think so. Like, uh, we didn't like explicitly make that plan until, uh, I graduated college. And then like, I was kind of in that period of my life where I was like, I'm not sure if I want to go directly into veterinary school right away. Um, cause I was pretty burnt out from, from college and, uh, I wanted to take this opportunity to see if I moved down there first to see if the relationship would work out. You know, it's very important because we had been long distance. We never spent like a long period of time together, like did like that dating phase. It would just be like me move down there and move in together, see how it goes. Um, and so I had planned it like after I graduated college because I kind of had in the back of my mind, I'm going to take this year. I'm going to see how the next couple years goes with Jason. And like, I, I had really good grades in college. So if I want to do veterinary school, I have no problem to go back and like go into school again. So what did your family say when you told them you were moving to Costa Rica to move in with Jason? Honestly, I don't. I don't really recall their exact reaction. I think it was a very subtle, like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Like, we'll see how that goes. Like my parents, I think they knew that I've always been the kind of person, like I had always talked about my dream was to live abroad in France. That was my initial dream. Um, And I'd always talked about that and like living abroad and learning another language and things. So I think they were kind of like, okay, you need to get out of the U S for a little bit, but they had never met Jason. And they never been to Costa Rica. So, you know, they were, class- I mean, parents are going to worry. You know, they had no idea what their daughter was getting into. So they came to visit me like three months after I moved. Um, but surprisingly, they were like pretty okay with it on the surface. I don't know how they were feeling inside really because they didn't really tell me. Because, um, you know, they were like, okay, you're 23. You need to like get out of the house and like go experience life a little bit. So yeah, I think that they felt like the concern that parents would feel, but at the same time, they were like, be free, like, like learn what life is, and yeah. go see the world. So go go struggle and make mistakes on your yeah. own. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, they wanted me to go and like, like, get out of the house, you know, like, make your own, like, do your own thing. So I was really lucky. Like, I'm really lucky to have parents who they supported me, um, you know, my decision. When they ca- when they came down, obviously now it's been like eight years. Have they have yeah. they been down a few times now? Yeah, they come back. They came back last year. They come back around like once every two years. So I think they've been here four times so far. And my brother has been once. They they really like it. And uh, interestingly, like Taiwan is also kind of a tropical country, so a lot of there's a lot of similarities between Taiwan and Costa Rica, like climate and fruit and, you know, mountains. And, you know, they have seen the blog grow from the beginning to now. And they, so one of their main concerns, I mean, like it is a legit concern in Costa Rica is how are you going to make money? Like, how are you going to work here? Uh, Cause it's, you know, like I'm not, the wages are different. I don't have the same t- titles. Cause I don't, I would not like, I, you know, I didn't grow up here. So I don't have this, my bachelor degree and everything. It doesn't, you know, and so uh, that was like their main concern. So they saw it grow from the very beginning to now. And so I think they're a lot more comfortable with that idea. You know what I mean? We're healthy and we're, we have a healthy relationship and we're happy. We're, so I think, you know, health, my dad always tells me health is first. So, you know, I think that's 
what any parent would, would wish for their kids, you know, they're healthy and they're able to like sustain a very healthy lifestyle without stress. A lot of kids in the U.S. have the opportunity to study Spanish when they're at school. Mm-hmm. Did you have that opportunity or did you arrive in Costa Rica with like zero Spanish skills? I didn't study Spanish in the U.S. Uh, I grew up speaking English and Mandarin, but when... So in the U.S., as you probably know, they don't really emphasize, like, the second language. So um, when I was growing up, like, we had the opportunity to choose one in, I think, like, sixth grade. And so I chose French because even at that age, when I was 10 or 11 years old, my dream was to move to France and live in France. So actually, I had studied French for many years. I did it in middle school, high school, and in college. Um, and then I met Jason and it's so funny because I remember vividly, like the day they gave us the form to choose what language it was German, Japanese, French or Spanish. And all my friends chose Spanish because they were like, Oh, it's more useful. And it's a lot easier. And I was like, no, I'm never going to need Spanish. I'm moving to France. I'm going to learn French, like screw Spanish. I don't need to know it. And then I never moved to France. I haven't been there yet. And I moved to a Spanish speaking country. So when, when I moved here, because I knew I, I was going to move here. Um, so I bought a textbook and I would study like on my own occasionally, but I never took like proper classes. I still have never taken like a university class or a proper class or anything like that. So when I moved here, I didn't really know any Spanish, like very basics, you know, just like, hi, how are you kind of thing. My name is blah, 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 um, which was something that I kind of, I mean, I don't regret it, but I wish that I had really studied harder before I moved because it would have made the transition a lot easier. Um, but as soon as I got here, I re- remember like distinctly, like we were living in Plaza del Coco in Guanacaste and we were actually managing a hotel back then. And Jason's brother, who he's fluent in Spanish and English, like he invited, I think like Jason's family over for uh, dinner one night at the hotel. And this was like, I think the first month after I moved and not many of them speak any English. And I remember sitting at dinner and I had never felt so stupid before. And I felt like a deaf and a mute person. And I hate not being able to communicate, especially with his family. And so I remember at dinner, they said gato. And I remember thinking that means cat. And I just like held on to the fact that they talked about a cat sometime in like the five hours they were there. And after that night, I was like, okay, I have to learn Spanish. Like I cannot handle this. Like I can't be this person. And so for six months, I would study every day for four to six hours by myself. Cause I, I like to learn on my own. Um, and then from there I would just practice and I carried a notebook with me everywhere I went. Uh, and I would go out to stores by myself, go to the bank by myself to force myself to interact more with locals because Jason speaks like perfect English. Um, and that's pretty much how I, how I learned. <laughs> yeah, and that's it how it's done. It's, it's how yeah, it's done. I mean, exactly. people uh, often are asking for tips on how to learn a language better and the simple truth of it is that it's just a lot of work. 
it's yeah. just a lot of work and study yeah. and practice and failure and more yeah. of that and more of that and that never stops and you continue exactly. to make mistakes even once you can <laughs> communicate with people of course yeah it's just it's, it's just it the is. way it is yeah like there is no like there's no shortcut path. yeah there's no shortcut like honestly if, if you don't put in the work you're not gonna learn like you're not just going to be a sponge and you can't just like watch like Zora the Explorer in Spanish and just like absorb it all like it's a, that's not how it works um like you have to get out there and put yourself out there and do it like if you don't do it like people always tell me like oh but I'm afraid of messing up or I'm afraid that I have an accent or that I sound stupid I'm like it doesn't matter we all go through this every person who immigrates to another country and has to learn the country's language does it my parents learned English when they moved to the U.S. I mean my grandma when she was like 70 learned English when she moved to the U.S. and she only spoke Mandarin and Taiwanese there's no excuse for not learning another language even if it's really hard for you even if you're slower there's just it doesn't matter you just have to practice and do it and there's no excuse <laughs> yeah I mean that's just how it is like have you seen that Shia LaBeouf video where he just goes do it just do it like that's I'm, so I don't want to yell it out but so yesterday afternoon I was reading your My Time Feet blog page and I saw a really awesome article that outlines what to pack for Costa Rica. What stood out to me most was actually a list of what not to bring to Costa Rica. Some of the, the items on that list were like expensive jewellery, high heels. I mean, it, did you bring those things with you when you came, <laughs> when you first moved down? Maybe <laughs> I might have. And then I realized I would never need like high heels. Even like we lived in Heredia for like two to three months. I and like never wore the high heels because the sidewalk, they don't really have sidewalks in the road is so bad. I mean, I probably would have broken an ankle. Um, and yeah, and, like for the expensive jewelry, like now that we live on the coast and, you know, we like to surf and go to the beach and I garden a lot. We have dogs, like, even my wedding ring, I don't really wear it that much because I don't want it to get dirty. I don't want it to fall off when I'm surfing or catching a wave or something. So just for people who, if they want to have like an adventurous, you know, outdoorsy um, vacation, like I had a friend and she brought her wedding ring because that she just normally always does. And she just left it in her, her purse the whole, whole time, you know, because when you're in the ocean, I mean, you don't want to lose it. My brother lost his wedding ring snorkeling in Hawaii. And, you, know, you know, things like that happen when you're, you know, ziplining or horseback riding or whatever. So, <laughs> Did you come down with a few suitcases or did you go all out and get a shipping container? No, I think I only, I think I brought two suitcases. Yeah, I didn't get a shipping container because, I mean, it was just me um, and like, I didn't quite know what to expect, so I didn't bring, like, a whole ton of stuff. Uh, I just kind of brought, like, the things that I thought I would need in the moment, and I didn't use, like, I think a whole suitcase. I think I just, like, left it at his mom's house for a really long time. I was like, I don't need this anymore. Um, so, yeah, I probably should have done more research on that part, but... You know, it's one of those things you learn as you go. And I was 23. I wasn't thinking about, like, expensive kitchen knives or, like, fancy linens and stuff like that. Like, I didn't, you know, that was not my priority back then. (laughs) 
in a way that's one of the like really good things about traveling or like moving country when you're young like you haven't you haven't like stored anything up yet you know you haven't like compiled a whole bunch of unnecessary things yet because you're just too young it's a it's a it's a good good problem to have what was the first town that you actually lived in and had you been to that town before well it's hard to say okay so the first town that we lived in we lived in we had rented apartment in san isidro de heredia like two months before i moved and that's where we were going to live we bought a lot of furniture and everything so when i first moved to costa rica we were only there for like i think three weeks actually because uh jason's brother who he lives in coco in patches of coco and he is the main doctor in that area for the advice and he had a friend who owned a hotel in Coco, and she was looking for a new hotel manager. So he asked us if we'd be willing to take this uh, opportunity because Jason also quit the job that he was working at in San Jose. And so we were both looking for something. And so we said, yeah, why not? Like, it's an, it's an opportunity. Let's see what happens. It's something different. We never lived at the beach before. Uh, so like two or three weeks later, I think we packed up all of our stuff and we moved to Guanacaste after that. And we were in Coco for like three years, kind of off and on, like two years full time, like all year round. And then another third year, we were hopping in between places, but in Coco for most of that year. So Coco, the Coco Hermosa area, this is where my wife and I have lived for the last four years. And it's kind of a love it or hate it type of area for a lot of people because there is a lot of retirees, um, you know, uh, different people complain about different things. Yeah, we absolutely yeah, love yeah. it. And there's there's um, a bunch of young families now and that is obviously the chapter of life we're in, which is super fun. What did you think when you moved here as a 23-year-old? Um, Not what I expected at all. Uh, like you said, it's a lot of research. Retirees. Um, and I think that was like we really enjoyed our time in Coco. And we actually go back often because his brother's still there. We have friends who live there and we love to uh go around the Gulf. Like we like to go to Witches Rock and you know, Bat Island, the snorkeling and all that. And one day, hopefully, we should go to Witches Rock to surf together. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I saw your surfing videos and I was like, holy crap, this guy knows what he's doing. Definitely like when I first moved there, it was not what I expected at all. Um, and it was honestly like kind of hard for me the first year because I didn't, I literally didn't meet anyone like my age. Um, and it was my first year there, like being alone most of the time because Jason was uh, managing the hotel. And we lived there for like six months, but then we moved out because uh, we came upon another agreement. And so um, it was, it, I think it was a good first place for me to start because even though it was hard, I had to learn really fast. So that made me learn like the language and like how to get around by myself and like how to do things by myself, like really, really fast. Um, and I wasn't like, just moved to a community where like everyone was like me and like only spoke English or like only did the same things and stuff like that. So it really made me like get out of my shell. Um, I think like, I mean, we, we wouldn't live there again just cause like we bought a property and a house somewhere else, 
that we enjoy living more. Um, but we do really like to visit that area. And it has changed since I was there the first time in 2010. Um, it has changed. Like the community has grown. There's definitely more young families, more restaurants. Because uh, back then, oh my gosh, finding somewhere to eat, it was like two choices, like, you know, for good food. Um, and it was expensive and it still is expensive, you know, and like supermarkets were expensive. And so, uh, but I think now it's a lot, it's a lot, it's grown a lot. It's a lot better. <laughs> um, it's a lot nicer than how it was in 2010. So, and it is, I feel like Cocoa does have a good community, you know, for, for young families and retirees. You guys, you guys yeah. live in Villarreal, and that is here in Guanacaste, very close to Tamarindo, mm -hmm. which is one of – Tamarindo is kind of like one of the hubs of surfing for the whole of Costa Rica, kind of especially the northern half of Costa Rica. It's one of the main hubs. And, mm -hmm. yeah, you guys live near some of the best surf beaches, but also like many amazing, amazing things. Like you can, you can get to lots of really cool places from Villarreal, like pretty quick can you tell us what a typical day looks like for you and Jason um well it's kind of changed a little for this year um so I guess like pre I don't know pre I hate saying like pre-covid but I mean like yeah it is true like before um you know like because borders were closed and the pandemic was announced um a typical day I mean we have an office on our property And back then we actually had three employees. So we would work in the office and we worked, I mean, we work like normal people. Like we would go to the office from like seven to eight till about five or six. And then sometimes on the phone at night as well. Like we actually are in the office quite a bit. Like every year is different for us. So it's hard to say like what we do every single day. because we have, sometimes we have new projects. Like in 2016, we actually did Vamos a Tuesday with the ICT. And so they sent us out like every three weeks, we went out for a week and we were going all around the country. So like we were out like all the time and literally every day we were going to a new hotel, new place, new whatever to do the, the filming for them. And then in the last three years, we've been focusing just on the blog and not taking like any outside clients anymore because we really wanted to focus on our own project. Um, but I mean, now we unfortunately don't have Uh, as many employees now it's just me and Jason again but we go to the office like we are usually on there by seven to eight we answer a ton of emails you know messages from everybody and usually now in November like last October starting we are going out a little bit more around the country so we did like a couple trips um I got my patty open water scooper scuba diving certification. Um, we have another trip, hopefully tomorrow if the weather works out. So we're slowly, gradually like starting to get out a little bit more because we do need to update all the content that we have on the blog. You know, like things have changed since last year. So every month, especially in the rainy season, we try to go to like one or two places and always try to go to a new place. Um, and then there's, of course, like the places we always go to to update content, which is like the main places in Costa Rica, like La Fortuna, Manuel Antonio. I mean, we live by Tamarino, so it's easy for us to update Puerto Viejo and San Jose, especially. Um, but I mean, 
a typical day, yeah, we wake up, go to the office, we play with our two dogs, uh, take them for a run or something, uh, try to surf as much as possible, you know, depending on the tide, that really like kind of makes our schedule. So, you know, sometimes it's in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, but we try to surf at least one to two hours as, as many days as we can. Uh, if we go to Tamarindo or Avellanas usually, um, and then come home and, you know, make dinner and play with the dogs some more. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's us. I mean, we're not, we're not that much different from a normal working person. What have been some of the highlights? And you can even refer to a, a couple of specific articles, if you like, which we can link on our website when we, when we go live with this episode. I mean, I have to say, I've enjoyed uh, every place we've been to in Costa Rica. And I think one of the greatest things about Costa Rica is it is a small country, but it's very diverse uh, in the ecosystems and the landscapes and things like that. So you can definitely experience a lot of different things when you're in the country. Um, So I've definitely enjoyed... uh, Everywhere we've been, there's definitely some places I like more than others. Um, but I think, oh my gosh, sorry if I take a really long time for this, but it's just, it's been a lot of, uh, I mean, like, places you've, been, you've, to you've been to a lot of places. <laughs> so yeah. you, can, you can take your time and you can even yeah. just, you can just spout the first ones that come to your head because you've probably visited a few hundred distinct places in Costa Rica, maybe more, maybe in the thousands. It's a lot of, I don't know how many locations, maybe you should count one day. But I know, I should. But I'm sure it's like a good amount of the tourism in this country and just unique places you and Jason have seen. Yeah, and I also feel, me personally, I feel especially lucky and very fortunate because um, – Jason is Costa Rican and he does have, uh, he used to work in tourism companies and a a long time ago, all his life. Um, so I feel very lucky because I have been able to meet a lot of different Costa Ricans around the country and a lot of more remote places and, you know, like rural places that I think not a lot of people get to experience because a lot of people don't have a lot of time in Costa Rica, you know, it's, I mean, it's the same when we travel to other countries, but we don't, we're not able to have those experiences when we go out, but I feel very lucky that I can have them here. So definitely one of the highlights, um, well, in terms of like activities, cause we're adventurous people. We like to do, we like to be outdoors and everything. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, whitewater rafting on the Pacquari River. I have done whitewater rafting uh, before outside of Costa Rica, and I have done several in Costa Rica. Um, But the Pacquari River, there's something special about it where it's almost like surfing, but, like, it's so pristine that you really, you just focus on, like, going through the rapids and having fun and, like, enjoying all of the nature that's around you because there are some uh whitewater rafting in Costa Rica where you like go by farms or you're like going all parallel to the highway or something so it's 
kind of ruins like the experience of like, oh, in a nature outdoor adventure. Whereas like Macquarie River, it's just so pristine. And I remember like one of the times that we went there, I, I had been wanting to see a rainbow toucan for like ever. But where we live, we don't see them. And they're harder to see because they're shy. They like to go really high. And I remember rafting down the waterfall and there was a toucan like right there. And I was just so excited. And I thought that was really, that was a special moment. Um, So that was really fun for like outdoor adventure. That was really cool. I really enjoyed uh, taking my parents on a boat ride around the Gulf, the Papagaja Gulf, because it's always been like, that's like me and Jason's, I think, like, favorite, like, in Costa Rica is the Papagaja Gulf. Um, we've gone there, like, countless times, and it's just so beautiful. Like, all the beaches and the water and the wildlife, I don't know. Like, I could go there so many times and never get bored of seeing them. Um, but I think the first time that I took my parents out there and we watched the sunset, like, boating back, and my even though it was, like, kind of rocky, my mom was like, this is so much fun. And, like, just seeing them have, like, a great time and, like, being out in the water, doing something different, enjoying something that we really like, uh, that was pretty special. Well, one of the things I really do love about Christian culture, and it sounds so cliche, uh, but they really are, like, warm people and it's not just like oh the the front service desk person or like the, you know your tour guide or whatever yeah they, they're really nice you know and they're welcoming people you know people of course but getting to know Jason's family and his friends um and like meeting the different Costa Ricans that we have met they really try to make you feel as comfortable as possible when they welcome you into the home and I, something that I really like about Costa Rican people um, is that they really don't have like a prejudice in the sense of like, it doesn't matter if like you're from this country or you're from this country or whatever. They just see people as, as people, you know, and they just say, hey, like come to my house and have a beer or like, oh, you like, oh, you really like like pineapple smoothies. Yeah, I have pineapples like in my backyard or whatever. Come on over and I'll make you one. They don't, you know, they don't come with like this prejudice of like, oh, oh, she's Asian, like, you know, and like I can only serve her dumplings or whatever, something like that, like the stereotypes, you know, they don't really, ha- they have them here, but not like as strong. Here, the only thing people would say to you, like they call me Matillo, which is like little little white boy, yeah, right? Little white boy, and yeah. they they would probably they call me Chinita. They yeah. call you Chinita, which is little Chinese girl. And yeah. here, that is not racist. Like no, it's so that, it's normal. just so it's so normal and it's so endearing. And when yeah. those terms are used, they're used in in like a loving way. Like yeah. this is the physical feature that stands out the most about you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Talking about that, something that I like it like blew my mind when I first came here was that like couples would call each other like or gordo or gordito or whatever but it was like in a cute way and like the first time like jason would like you know jokingly i would be like don't call me fat i was like that you never call a female like a woman fat like you cannot say that to any but then you just find out it's just so normal like they call like jason's aunt that's what she calls her his uncle like gordito like you know like 
it's just so normal, but it's like endearing and it's like a cute way to say, it. and it's like very normal to be like, oh, Mayo, Gordo, you know, or something like that. Um, but it's like, it's not like in a offensive way. It's not trying to insult you or anything. It actually is like a, like, I, we call our dog Gordito now because he is a little, you know? A little so. Gordito. He's, he's a little fat. Yeah, he's a, yeah so, but it's like in a, in a nice, cute, endearing way, like you said, so. In Taiwanese culture, it is very common to comment comments on your physical appearance. Like, oh, but they kind of say in a way like, oh, so you got fat. You know, like, oh, you're kind of chubbier than you used to be. You know, like kind of in a way that's like that. <laughs> um, something's wrong, you know, something's a little different. But here it's just like, yeah, that's just, you know, like that's how you are. <laughs> like, I also, something I admire about Christians is they do have a lot of pride in themselves. You know, like you can say, you know, whatever about Christians, and they know they're like, yeah, you know, like we, we know we're kind of slow, like we're we're late, you know, we don't always give the best or whatever, whatever. But if you touch something that they are, they think that they are good at and they're proud of, um, they are proud people, and I, I admire that about them because you know they, they stand up for what they really do believe in. There's definitely a lot of patriotism here. A lot mm-hmm. of pride for the country and a lot of pride for the I, kind of progressive things that the country's done, like the, mm-hmm. the, um, the conservation with mm-hmm. 25% of the country being protected by the government. There's, I think, almost another 25% in private farms and stuff. I, I don't mm-hmm. know the numbers exactly, but, yeah, there's a, but there's a huge amount of the country that's protected and people are really proud of that, you know, and like there's a lot of clean energy. People are really proud of that. That that yeah. they've they've got this reputation for being like relaxed and happy people. People are proud of that. Like yeah. people are proud to show their best side to yeah. to to eat to everyone each day. And it's really nice. Yeah. It's nice to be given yeah. like yeah, it's cool. Yeah. We're gonna wrap up in just a sec. Okay. I wanted to ask just a couple more things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go for it. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> so from time to time, you head back to the US and, and, you know, head abroad for travels. When you land back in the States, what's the first thing you like to do? Hug my dog. <laughs> well, after I hug my parents, of course. <laughs> but uh, hug my dog. Just because I, I got this dog um, in 2009, like the year actually right before I met Jason and I always had a plan to bring her with me when I went to vet school and everything. So she was my dog, but I had to leave her when I moved. Um, but my parents take such good care of her, but I always, that's usually the first thing I do is hug my dog. And the second thing I usually do is I'll go to Trader Joe's <laughs> and go nuts because I am obsessed with Trader Joe's and I miss it. And I'll just go crazy there. And then I go to another local bakery in my town that is amazing. She made my wedding cake um, and it's, she's just so good. And I like drool over her cake and miss it every single day. <laughs> um, we really love food. So we'll always talk about like what we miss eating. Oh, yes. I, I grew up eating Asian food because my mom is a great cook. Um, and she makes all sorts of Chinese and Taiwanese dishes. And so Asian food in Kostruka is not their strong suit, I would say. Um, and so I definitely miss that. 
a lot. So usually the things I do when I go back to see my parents is that, like just go all out and all the Asian food and go crazy so I can get my fill of it. <laughs> so there's an opportunity for anyone listening. If you know how to cook <laughs> delicious Asian food, then yeah. come down to Costa Rica, start a yeah. franchise business with the best Asian food. I know I shouldn't be saying, well, I can say Asian food. It covers the range. But any of that food, if you know how to cook it and make it delicious, it will sell here. Exactly. There's definitely demand. (laughs) There's demand. And actually, one of my, like, kind of, like, dream side jobs is, like, okay, if I ever have time one day, if I retire from the blog or whatever, I'm going to make a dumpling and bubble tea stand here because there's no bubble tea and or dumplings. (laughs) What should people type into Google? to find you the quickest possible way? I mean, you could just type my tan feet, just like our, our blog name is just my, my tan feet.com. Um, T a N like tan. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the podcast. I enjoyed uh, talking with you and I hope anyone who is listening, you know, this is helpful or entertaining for you, uh, whether you plan to move here or just visit or just an interesting Costa Rica in general. Um, we hope that you guys do at least visit here if you don't move and we hope that you guys have a great time here. Sam, thank you so much for your time. You know, you've got a unique, unique story of, of meeting a Costa Rican and moving down here and starting a business that ended up being perhaps more successful than you'd ever imagined and turned into a, you know, turned into a lifestyle and an ability to, to see this country like, Probably no other foreigner has ever experienced. So, and you're only 31. I'm 31. I'll be 32 in two months. But Samantha, (laughs) so many, so many more years of enjoying Costa Rica ahead. It's cool. Yes, I really hope so. Here's a sneak peek of the next episode. In episode 23, we talk to Chicago native Christopher Reedy. 31-year-old Chris describes the culture shock he experienced when first arriving in Costa Rica, what it's like to live at altitude, and the process of setting up his language school, Tico Lingo. This would never, ever happen in the U.S. like this, this introduction to the country. And she's like, come on, come on, we'll we'll go get a cup of coffee, right? And I'm in this auto shop drinking a, a crappy cold cup of coffee, eating saltine crackers, and just amazed by everything extreme like intro to the country it was like boom here you are you're in the heart of it if you'd like to watch the video of this episode go to youtube and subscribe to the move to costa rica podcast if you enjoyed this conversation please rate review and share it with your friends on social media for a full list of show notes episodes to your inbox information on becoming a guest on the show and how to support the show on patreon head to www.movetocostaricapodcast.com. Remember, new episodes are released every Thursday by 6am Costa Rica time. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, Pura Vida. Pura Vida.